Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast, a unique, uh, partially remote, even further remote than usual version of the Media Boat Podcast. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast that gives you news and thoughts about media like movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. Today is July the 28th, 2021. This is episode 289, I want to say. That sounds right. Uh, and yeah, uh, coming from uh, California and slash Idaho, uh, I am Matt and his name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Um, for those of you watching the YouTube video, I'm not sure if we're actually going to put a YouTube video up for this, no. but I'm in <laughs> Idaho right now. And because of the time difference, it's getting close to dinner time. <laughs> well, then in that case, let's do a quick one so he can eat. So we're going to start right away with some movie news and stuff for you. We'll start like we always do with the weekend box office number. Your number one movie this week is a debut. M. Night Shyamalan's Old was your number one movie this weekend, making $16 million. Number two, Snake Eyes, your other debut from last weekend with $13 million. Moving down to number three, Black Widow with another $11 million. That's sitting at one fifty-four domestic. Space Jam, A New Legacy sits at number four with 9.5, adding to its 51 million domestic total. And rounding out your top five, F9, The Fast Saga, or just F9, depending on who you ask, $4.8 million to add to its $163 million total. Am I correct in guessing that that is your new leader outside of... Um, it was your leader last week, and we're still yeah. going to continue counting it as your leader. Yeah, it's looking pretty good so far. <laughs> Uh, Black Widow has some catch-up to do if it's going to get to F9's numbers. As for new weekends, this, or new weekends, new movies this weekend, we do have a few for you. First up, The Green Knight. Now, what is this? This is A24, based off Green Knight of the Knights of the Round Table, uh -huh. uh, starring Dev Patel. Got it. If that's not your jive, Disney's got Jungle Cruise with The Rock. Uh, based off this The Ride. Yep. And uh, after the Rock being, and Emily Blunt. Right. And also after being delayed for about two years, um, mm -hmm. it's been kind of on the shelf for a little bit here. And then also Stillwater. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is middle country man. So. Sure. Question mark, question mark. Question mark, question mark. We'll find out, I guess, some other time. Yeah. For now, if that's not enough fun for y'all, let's go into some movie news. Our first story takes us to HBO Max, where again, movies are coming and they're coming exclusive. Warner Brothers says they will produce 10 or more movies exclusively for HBO Max in 2022. That's according to media, Warner Media CEO, Jason Kilar. He declared motion pictures matter and will continue to matter. Next year, Warner Brothers looks to be moving back to a more traditional theatrical release strategy, albeit with a shortened 45-day window for exclusive theatrical distribution for many of the theatrical bound titles on its slate. Kilar says he doesn't see the industry going back to the way the world was in, quote, 2015, 2016, or 2017 with long 75 to 90-day windows for a title's theatrical run before its first home video release. I like how they're still referring to it at ho as home video. That makes me laugh. 
Warner Brothers has already said it will shift to a 45-day window for key tentpole movie titles. This is just further moving of the bar that we talked about last year, where the studios taking no- like studios are taking notes about where the industry has succeeded during quarantine, where they haven't, how they can adjust those numbers going forward when we're outside of the pandemic to see how they can really take advantage of that digital market. It's also a combination of what we've seen between Universal and HBO Max, where they're going to shorten that window to 45 days. But if they don't feel like a film, their own quotes around here, um, movie is theatrical ready, or they don't feel like it's going to be a box office hit, they can just say, oh, that was always meant for HBO Max and kind of like pay off people to the side. Yeah, I hope it doesn't get to a point where there's like tiers of films. It's like, oh, well, your movie is good. So that's going to get the theatrical release. Oh, your movie. Yeah, we're not so confident about it. HBO Max exclusive creating the like tiered like theatrical direct to video equivalent almost. To be fair, it is what Disney did between its Pixar and self-animated studios. It is. Yes. We just call it all under Disney, though. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. So we'll see if they can keep the quality up in both. Um, it could be really good. Or, you know, they could just like not end up making a film. <laughs> yeah, that too. We'll see. Let's move on to our second story here, which takes us to a franchise we haven't heard from in a while. Hey, remember Die Hard? Well, With a- Bruce Willis. Yes, of course. Bruno himself. At the, at the theoretical reboot slash prequel to the Die Hard franchise continues to float around IMDb and Wikipedia filmographies, but producer Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, always a fun name to say, confirms that the project is a no-go. Movie called McLean would have allowed Lynn Wiseman, the director of Live Free or Die Hard, the fourth film, who was announced for the project back in 2015, the chance to work with Bruce Willis and a fresh face. Though many Die Hard six scripts were considered over the years, including one called Old Habits Die Hard, which made waves back in 2013 for being written on spec and posted in full online. The prequel script involving parallel storylines was actually gaining steam. But of course, as we all know, then Disney acquired Fox in 2019. Deep Benaventura said, I don't know what their plans are. Um, and they don't know if it, he doesn't know either if it could be turned into a streaming franchise or a show or what they'll do with the with the with this idea going forward. Yeah, um, this was always one that was fun to kind of keep track of because it was always those you know, those will they won't they oh they will be making it oh I heard this is going on yeah but this is more or less actually putting it to bed now that well one Disney owns Fox two Bruce Willis is getting a lot older and three. They can't seem to find a script or director for this. So safe to say that if they're ever going to do a Die Hard reboot, it's going to be a full-on reboot at this point with a fresh face. I think either you do one starring one of the children characters that they've already introduced in the franchise, or you introduce a new character. Well, I think that's what they tried to do with Die Hard 5, with introducing both a son and a daughter. Nobody cares. Or the son in the fourth and then the daughter in the fifth. You have it reversed. The daughter, the Mary Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is the daughter in four. Um, the son is introduced in five. Right. Yeah. And, and nobody so, liked five. So and well, obviously, <laughs> not enough to, for them to make a sixth film. Yeah. But yeah, apparently 
old franchise, it does indeed die hard here. <laughs> All right. Well, did you watch any new movies this last week? No, I'm in Idaho. That's a good point. Well, I didn't either, so that means we can move right on into television, and we always start television with the sports corner. This week, we're going to ditch our traditional uh, sports corner and just talk about the Olympics in Tokyo because they have dominated the headlines. The only sports story outside of the Olympics is that this week, NFL training camp begins. Okay. Well, now you know. That's literally the only story there is. Oh, and Otani ups his number to 36 home runs. Right. But hey, we figured That's it, that was going all happen. eyes were on the Olympics this week. All eyes were on the Olympics, except mine. I was a little busy as well. Uh, but <laughs> Olympics did happen. The opening ceremony drew 17 million viewers, down 36% from Rio's games. Makes sense because a lot of fewer people are probably paying attention. Uh, next up, Heidelin Diaz has won the first ever gold medal for the Philippines. So congratulations to her. 13-year-old Momiji Nishia. Congratulations. She actually won silver. Oh. She actually won silver in Rio games, but then won gold this time, this time around. Okay. So she it holds 100% of Philippines medals. <laughs> I guess so. 13-year-old Momiji Nishia has become the first female Olympian to win gold in skateboarding making her Japan's youngest gold medalist ever. Yuto Horigomi also won gold in the men's street skating competition. So congratulations to them. That was fun to watch. Um, however, they were all very young. Not a whole mm-hmm. lot, of, I want to call them professional skaters, but then again, Olympics are for amateurs, <laughs> unless you're in basketball. <laughs> yeah. Next up, 18-year-old Tunisian, Ahmed Hafnoi managed to to pull off a surprise upset in the 400-meter freestyle swimming event, winning the fifth gold medal ever for his country. How much of an upset was it? He was in lane eight and barely qualified by 0.14 seconds to make the finals. And then he went on to win gold medal. Um, oh, oh, well. Next up, I'm going to skip the big one for the last. Um, mm-hmm. Next up, uh, Naomi Osaka, media boat favorite, unfortunately lost in the quarterfinals. Yes, but she did light the torch for the opening ceremony. So that's true. She's got that going for her. She does. Ariane Titmus from Australia won gold in 200 meter and the 100 meter freestyle. But really, it was Titmus's coach that won the hearts and minds of Twitter all around. <laughs> as his celebration went viral immediately as soon as he, as soon as he uh, shook his groove thing in front of the cameras. Oh, that's cute. He went wild uh, for that 100 meter win. Next up, Lydia Jacoby. Jacoby? Jacoby. The, Jacoby. Becomes the youngest athlete and first from. That's Alaska. Is that a pl- oh, okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah, can you fix that? Alaska to win gold for Team USA in the 100 meter breaststroke. Congratulations! I was going to say, is Akaka a place I hadn't heard of before? 
Well, no, uh, U.S. youngest athlete from the U.S. and it makes more Alaska. sense. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, a good celebration from the people of Alaska. <laughs> Fun as well. Also, yeah. teary-eyed parents. Manly man cheers for her winning. Yeah. As she beat her, I want to say part mentor, part idol, Katie Ledecky in mm-hmm. that race. Right. But last but definitely not least, the biggest headline of the week here in the U.S. was, of course, that gymnast Simone Biles withdrew from the gymnastics event. The team event, I should be more specific. The USA won silver after her withdrawal. Yes, uh, that was two days ago. Mm-hmm. And then this morning, she also withdrew from the all-around events. Yes. Both of them citing mental health. Right. She seems that she uh, is taking the moment for herself, which is something that I think has become a theme in sports this year. Um, A lot of athletes kind of owning the fact that they have to consider their mental health in these situations. And sometimes that means uh, withdrawing from something important. Not just that, but the pressure that these Olympic gymnasts are under, Mm -hmm. um, she withdrew after she was doing her warm-up as she did only two turns instead of her normal three and knew that if she was to try to go for the three, it would have ended badly. So rather than trying to risk everything yeah. for gold for the U.S., she withdrew and let her um, teammates take on that load and had a chance for someone else to shine. And they shined indeed. They still got silver. Yeah. They earned their way to the Olympics. It's not all Simone Biles. It's a team effort. Right. Yeah, there's nothing to be mad about about a silver medal. It's still great. And they should be proud of themselves. And Simone Biles should be proud of herself for standing up in a moment where she she needed to. And against the pressure. Simone Biles is the captain on that team. Mm-hmm. And when you see someone, whether it's you or one of your teammates, who's not one either giving it 100% or not all there, it's your job as captain to make sure that either either ready there to be competing or you make the call as a captain to say, hey, this person's not ready to compete. I don't want them to not just injure our chances for gold, but injure themselves because they're doing flips and tricks and all this other stuff on the gymnastics squad that could potentially be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, not potentially, it is dangerous. It is dangerous. If you do something wrong, that's like instant paralysis, instant death, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's it's a good thing that she dropped out. I think it's healthy uh, to be aware of those kind of things. But uh, also congratulations to the team who succeeded even though, even though uh, they were missing their captain. Yep. They didn't, uh, they didn't settle for silver. They won silver. They won the medal. All right. Any other Olympic bits before we move on that you can think of? Water polo is a sham. <laughs> Are you saying that they didn't get big enough? Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, no, they, uh, they won two of their games, but they tried to play hungry last night yeah. and gave up just two like measly goals and they ended up losing on them. So they didn't get big. No. But they are continuing on and continue to watch both a lot of uh, volleyball and a lot of water polo during the nice. Olympics. Nice. All righty. On that note, let's move on. 
<laughs> and out of out of the Olympic conversation into some television news for you. We start with television news uh, by talking about something near and dear to the Media Boat Podcast heart, uh, Pokemon, a uh, constant favorite here. But uh, it's getting a little bit of a different kind of adaptation for Netflix. Live action, reportedly. A new so we've seen series. live action in film, but yep. this is TV live action. Right. So yes, a new Pokemon series is in early development as ne- at Netflix. As the project is still in its early days, no details are available about the plot. However, sources say that Joe Henderson, um, I guess who was a producer on Lucifer, is mm-hmm. attached to write and executive produce as his next project after the sixth and final season of that show on Netflix. The project is an early development development and would be a live action series akin to Detective Pikachu, the movie that was released back in 2019. Netflix has also been making a strong push into anime in recent years, having previously announced original series based on the video game series Far Cry, Splinter Cell, and Terminator. I like how that sentence, I I know you didn't write this, but I like how that sentence is like anime and then it lists three things that are not anime. It's very funny to me. Yeah, it lists three video games. Yeah. (laughs) Netflix and a movie, two video games and a movie franchise. <laughs> Netflix has been moving into more live action adaptations of anime titles, though, as well, including the upcoming Cowboy Bebop adaptation and One Piece following the release of their live action Death Note film in 2017. That sentence is accurate. But <laughs> yeah, um, this is a fascinating idea. I would be really interested to see what they would do with a live action <laughs> American produced Pokemon show. That is the one thing we did like about Detective Pikachu that we wanted more stories set in that world. Not necessarily yeah. those same stories of detective mystery stuff, but the actual like Detective Pikachu, like that world that Detective Pikachu yeah. kind of envisioned. Yeah, the world that they built there is interesting. I think there's a lot of stories, different kinds of stories you can tell within that world that haven't been told before. And so, yeah, I can't wait to see what they end up doing with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll probably wait like a year or two. It'll be a while. At least at least two years till we see anything. Yeah. Speaking of things we're probably going to wait at least two years to see anything of, there's yet another uh, DC Extended Universe film on its way, but this time one of our Media Boat favorites is at the helm. Michael B. Jordan and his production company Outlier Society are developing their own project starring a Black Superman for HBO Max. That centers on the Val Zod incarnation of the classic character. Outlier Society has hired a writer who is currently working on the script, though is it initially unclear whether the Val Zod project would be a limited series or even if Jordan would possibly even star in the project, as he has yet to officially commit. J.J. Abrams and his company Bad Robot are set to produce the Black Superman movie for Warner Brothers that is expected to follow the Cal L. Clark Kent version of that character. That's confusing. Though Clark Kent is traditionally depicted as white in the DC comics, a character will be played by a black actor in the Bad Robot movie, which will likely be directed by a black filmmaker. So hold on. Are there two parallel black Superman projects in development? You read that right. There are (laughs) indeed two parallel black Superman projects. One is your traditional Superman Clark Kent, except they're changing him from traditional white to black. Mm-hmm. and hiring a black director for it whereas michael b jordan is taking existing comic book lore that is uh Val Zod in 
part of their one-off alternate universe stories and making the character based off of that. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind that Outlier Society is already also in production on the Static Shock film as well right. for Warner Brothers. Right. So this would be Michael B. Jordan's second superhero foray, unless you want to count three, because he was in Chronicle. <laughs> unless you want to count four if uh, the characters in Space Jam are superheroes. Anyway, <laughs> let's move or, or on. Because he was also Creed, Creed's son. <laughs> <laughs> superhero. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, good for yeah, them. We're to... forgetting Killmonger. Duh. Duh. That's a well, a villain, I guess. Villain, yeah. Comic book, any... nonetheless. Yes. Anyway, it's uh, good to see them expanding. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see which of these projects actually does see the green light because I can't imagine them going through with both. Um, no, but I like that Michael B. Jordan is making a stand saying we already have mm-hmm. a black Superman in the comic book lore. Right. Let's just use that. We Excuse don't need that. to hire a new Superman who's black to play Clark Kent. Yeah, we can, we can just use Black Superman of Balzad, who's already comic book established. Right. There's no need to gender cast or race cast. That's true. All right. With that, that'll do it for news. Let's talk real briefly about some things we watched. Um, let's start. I with didn't you. watch Ted Lasso. Oh no, you didn't. Okay. Well, no. can all we right. save that for next week? I will do my real brief spoiler-free version, and then we'll go in depth next week. My spoiler-free okay. version is: Don't worry, it's still good. Uh, the first episode of season two is great. It's a really good like pick up where we left off kind of vibe to it. You get to see all of the characters that you cared about so much, saw their growth in the first season, and immediately see the results of that growth here. Um, just still stellar writing, stellar acting all around. Just the same show that you know and love. So I'm glad it's back. And yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely talk, we'll definitely talk more talk next more week when I actually have a chance to see it. Yes. and we'll be two episodes in on the new season, <laughs> so yep. probably set up the overall kind of arc by that point. I also wanted to—I don't have this written down. I'll write this down. I'll write it down in a moment. But um, I also, uh, since I was on Apple TV Plus, I also watched another of their exclusives that actually premiered a few weeks ago. Again, I'll be very brief here, uh, which helps because they didn't really care for it. Uh, it, a, a show called Schmigadoon, and this is a this musical. Is musical, right? This is a musical sitcom about a couple who get magically uh, transported to a place where it is constantly a movie musical. Think Oklahoma. Think Brigadoon, um, and. So the characters in this town will just break out into song and big musical numbers in front of them. And they're basically, tra- the premise is, is the couple is trapped there until they figure out true love, whether that's to- with each other or with other people. They cannot leave the musical town until they fall in love. That's right, the and premise. the two characters are Cecily Strong and Katie Michael Key. Right. Can so two very funny people. Yeah, great concept. Yeah. Great idea, great cast. I just wish it had a better script. Uh, the pilot Ooh. was not funny. I maybe laughed once during the whole thing. The music is very much just like, let's take a song in an existing musical, like, say, Oklahoma from Oklahoma, and riff on it, make our version of that. And that would be our kind of title song. Oh, and this isn't a movie? 
No, it's a series. In fact, oh, I felt like this was going to be a movie. No, right? there are four episodes into this thing. Um, it premieres on Fridays, just like Ted Lasso, and it will be a continuing series. And so they have to pack a lot of musical musical pastiche in there. Doesn't all work. And like I said, if the jokes were better, it might hold my attention a little better. But the script just wasn't up to the par that I was expecting. So I probably won't watch any more of Schmigatoon. <laughs> But it exists. I might check it out and we'll talk yeah. about it next week. And check it out. See what I think. Yeah, the whole time I was just thinking there's a better version of this idea and this ain't it. Okay. So. Anyway, last to round out, let's just real briefly talk. So the opening ceremonies for the Olympics happen on Friday. We talked about the turnout there, or the uh, not turnout, the ratings there. But just real briefly, was there anything really cool that you thought? I thought the torch lighting was pretty cool with the aforementioned uh, Naomi Osaka. The torch thing was cool. The drones were the cool. Drones. I wish they did more with the drones, though, rather than just being the globe to the yeah, um, to the logo. But it was neat, and the video game music uh, in the behind all the procession was really fun. That was probably my <laughs> best part because uh, Doctor was jamming out to the procession as they were all coming in, completely unaware that it was all video game music. I'm sure you caught the Kingdom Hearts track. Oh, I caught both Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I was like, oh, this fits so well. And yeah. yet, most people are going to fly over their heads. And then also, of course, the Final Fantasy track right. and the. Um, um, There's a Dragon Quest in there. Dragon Quest, There's a Monster was, yeah. Hunter song in there. Mm -hmm. All of their favorite franchises. Not a whole lot of Nintendo, which makes me wonder whether they passed on that offer. Maybe same thing like we talked about last week with Toyota. Mm -hmm. Maybe. All right. Maybe. Anything else to talk about with television before we move on? Um, yes, with the opening ceremonies, the one thing that you have to watch if you haven't seen it already is the logos for each of the events. That was fun. That they ran through all fifty logos. Yeah, I did. Got in to a get very pantomime esque way. Very smart. Very cool. Really like the best example of less is more, and yet done in a completely artistic way and i love that entire piece of it <laughs> yeah no it was it was a lot of fun it was really cool to see mm -hmm. them do that very japanese too yep. all right anything else on television before we move on if there is it's not the olympics and i ain't watching it all right sounds good to me let's move into cancellations and renewals just one renewal for you this week hbo max is bringing back that damn michael che for a season two um i think that is like a is it a sketch show? I thought when I saw when I saw that on HBO Max, I thought it was a special that he did. Yeah, I thought so too. Maybe it's a sketch show. Maybe I we think should it check might it out now. <laughs> be a sketch thing because it seems like other people are involved with it, even though it has his name in the title. I don't know. Well, what here's it is. a good thing. There's a season two that we can check out. <laughs> it's coming back. Catch up on season one or season two. Yeah. There's a couple of deaths. Uh, they happen to be music-related deaths uh, this week. First up, Joey Jordison age 46, the drummer, the drummer from Slipknot, and then also Dusty Hill, age 72, the bassist from ZZ Top. Yeah, that uh, sudden. I mean, yeah. the Jordy Hill, Jordy Jordison, sudden, yeah. 46. Dusty Hill, 72, been around. But yeah, both big time in their own genres and in their own right. Yeah, not, not, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, those are sad ones for sure. And a lot of people were talking about how good the uh, Joey Jordison was at his drumming. Like he was one of the kind of most well-known uh, like drummers, drummers and rock. And so it's, it's sad yeah. to see someone like that. Uh, so, you know, um, media boat friend, 
CJ? Yes. Caught the drumstick from him in while it was shown in Vegas. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, it's now a relic, but yeah. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. All right. Yeah, he's, on, he's a huge Slipknot fan. On that, that, that Yeah. On that note, let's move on to music. Usually I toss this over to you, but for you know speed purposes, I'm just gonna keep going here. Um, and I'll talk about music. We always start music with the Billboard Hot 100. Your number one song in the country right now is Back to Butter. BTS is still on top, but with the single that was on top the first time this year. So hot, it's back to melting like butter. Milton, Milton. Butter. Number two is Still Good for for You by Olivia Rodrigo. Moving up to number three this week, Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring DaBaby. Number four, Stay by The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber moves a little down. And number five, Kiss Me More returns to the top five by Doja Cat featuring SZA. So to say that these five are your summer songs, <laughs> they haven't moved for the past two months. <laughs> Seriously. Your Billboard 200, your albums chart, has your number one album, Pop, uh, Pop Smoke's Faith. This is his posthumous record, as you probably imagined. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, number two, Sob Rock John, by John Mayer. This album you talked about last week. Number yeah, three. So if you want to hear our th- my thoughts on Sob Rock, yep. listen to last week's episode. Yep. Number three, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo, sticking around. Continues number four, to be good. Mm-hmm. Number four, Planet Her by Doja Cat. And number five, rounding out the top five because it will not die is Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Hey, maybe we... Uh... Some albums coming out this week may knock him off. Seeing as he's <laughs> hanging on at number five. Yeah, we'll see. Those new releases, speaking of, are f- as follows. First up, we have Alan Vega After Dark by Alan Vega. I believe that is also a posthumous release. Alan Vega passed away. Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish. Finally here, the sophomore record from her. So we'll probably talk about that next week. Uh, third album, right? No. That was her debut. Oh, that was her debut? Yeah. I thought she had one after that. Or was that no. just this? Oh, those are just EPs. Or She's, done side pro- She's done singles. Side projects and uh, singles. Okay, but no, this is her second LP. Okay. Up, next up, Above the Fray by Damn Funk. The House is Burning by Isaiah Rashad. Native Sons by Los Lobos. Yes, those Los Lobos. Los, Los Lobos, yes. Welcome to America by Prince, which is an unreleased Prince record that we are hearing it for the first time. And lastly, Thirstier by Torres. So, I don't know, something for everybody this week. Yep. All right, let's move on into music news. Our first story in music is about The Weeknd. I don't know if, if we call Media Boat favorite The Weeknd, but he definitely pops up a lot, doesn't he? Uh... Grammy denier of the weekend? Yes, Grammy denier the weekend. Even though the Grammys won't honor him, he is being honored with the Quincy Jones Humanitarian Award at the first annual Music in Action Awards hosted by the Black Music Action Coalition and taking place September 23rd at the One Hotel in West Hollywood. The ceremony is to honor musicians, music executives, and music businesses that have made the most significant contributions to social justice, change, and or equity over the preceding year, according to the BMAC. 
Since the pandemic started, The Weeknd has donated several million dollars to a variety of causes, including Relief, Black Lives Matter, Global Network, the Colin Ka Kaepernick Know Your Rights Camp Legal Defense Initiative, and the National Bailout. Also, COVID relief campaigns for Music Cares and is in his hometown of Scarborough, Ontario, and relief efforts in Ethiopia and Lebanon. And he has challenged others to do the same. So, hey, good job for the weekend. He's been out there being philanthropic every chance he has. I feel like we knew about the Black Lives Matter Global Network and the Music Cares, or not the Music Cares, the COVID-19 relief campaign for Music Cares. But then you add on top of that all this other stuff that he's been doing. You're like, yeah. oh, wow, the weekend. Maybe now the Grammys will notice you, and yet you still won't go. <laughs> yeah, but just, as he said, the Grammys are not end-all, be-all. Right. This is a great recognition for everything that he's done outside of his music. Right. And using that music for action, like the name of the organization suggests, right? Like putting movement behind your words. And that's great. Which I have been listening to a lot of the highlights while I have been on vacation. <laughs> yeah. It's basically just the hits. It's the highlights. It's the hits. That's all you need. Yeah. It's all I like. <laughs> well, speaking of hits that maybe didn't hit so hard this week, Da Baby, media vote favorite, not really, media vote, eh, Da Baby, <laughs> is in the news for bad reasons this week. And it has media vote favorite Dua Lipa reacting. Yes. Duliapa is speaking out against DaBaby's homophobic comments at the Rolling Loud Festival. Duliapa, who collaborated with DaBaby on the wildly popular remix of her song Levitating. Uh, I feel like she didn't collaborate. She was just added on. He just showed up, yeah. Our producers. <laughs> well, Duliapa took to her Instagram story on Tuesday to condemn the comments DaBaby made during his Rolling Loud performance on Sunday night. According to a video posted by TMZ, DaBaby encouraged the audience to put their cell phone flashlights in the air if they, quote, didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, or any of the deadly sexually transmitted diseases that will make you die in two to three weeks. And get this, among other further derogatory remarks about HIV, AIDS, and LGBTQ plus people. Sigh. Dua Lipa said, I'm surprised and horrified at DaBaby's comments. I really don't recognize this as the person I worked with. I know my fans know where my heart lies and that I stand 100% with the LGBTQ community. We need to come together to fight the stigma and ignorance around HIV AIDS. A lot of other people have spoken out against a baby's words. The baby tried to make an apology that other people thought was doubling down on the comments that he had made originally. He's now made a third apology where he made it more clear that he's sorry. But geez, if you're already to the third apology, you know you're really screwed up. Either that or you're just really terrible at apologizing. Yeah. So almost like a baby at apologizing. Almost, almost like that. Turns almost out. like that. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, this puts the baby firmly in our shit camp. <laughs> if he was already teetering on that edge. I mean, I never really cared for him in the first place. I think that that his verse on the remix of Levitating kind of ruins that song. It throws my groove off. It's I'm like, unnecessary. Oh, where did this come from? It's unnecessary. Yeah. It's it's like Sean Paul popping up in that Katy Perry song. It's or, unnecessary. Or in that Sia song. <laughs> Your Sia song, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Or is Sean Paul popping up currently anywhere? Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, any music that you listen to besides, I guess, the weekend's highlights? Uh, a lot more Midland. And I also listen to Sour again because it's just a good yes. album. It's great. Just because. Yeah. And yeah, Flights on a Plane. Good time to listen to albums. <laughs> good time, it turns out. I did not listen to anything. So let's move right on. Hey, we're cooking here. We're cooking with gas hey, this week. What I say. Yeah, we can what do I it. Say, in the hour. Let's wrap stuff up with video games. And we start our video games with the new upcoming releases. First up, Unbound colon, Worlds Apart for the Switch and PC. I'm not sure what that is. The Forgotten City for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, or uh, Siri, uh, the Switch and the PC. If you got it, you can play it. <laughs> yep. The Forgotten City. Yes. It's everywhere. It's out for everyone, yep. everywhere. Next up, the first three of the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster series that was announced at E3 are being released. That's Final Fantasies 1, 2, and 3. They'll be on both mobile and PC this week. Um, no announcements have been made about any console releases for those games. And no announcements has been made about the release dates for 4, 5, and 6, which are also on the way. Next up, The Ascent for Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. Hunter's Arena Legends for the PS4 and PS5. And lastly, Lemnis Gate for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and the PC. And for mobile users, if you're into the near series the mobile version uh near re-imagination imaginated yeah i think something like yeah, that reimagined is out for mobile today yeah i saw that on the release uh calendar but since i don't usually talk about mobile games i skipped it but yes yeah. but it's a near game so i have it downloaded i'll be playing it and i'll talk <laughs> about it next week assuming sounds... i actually like have time to play it because idaho <laughs> yeah sounds good I'm going to actually, I have these in a reverse order, but I'm going to flip them so that we would talk about chronological here. Before we get to the biggest uh, video game story of the week, let's rewind a bit to last. It's the biggest, all right. Let's rewind to last Thursday, the day after we recorded, where EA Play finally happened. EA Play being EA is kind of summer E3-ish place where they announced their big new What time is it? It's uh, August. They're still doing EA Plays? Somehow. Well, it's not August yet, but yes. Well, it's uh, July. They waited until late July to do their show, but hey, they did it, and here's basically what we got. The first thing they did was talk about their recent acquisition of Codemasters, the racing game developers, and announced Grid Legends, their newest game uh, in the Grid series. Uh, Think more like uh, like their equivalent to Forza and you get kind of what grid is. Okay. Next up apex legends as part of their season 10 expansion, will get a new mode called emergence. That'll be coming up soon. They also showed off a new CG trailer to show off the new mode. Next up battlefield 2042, the upcoming new battlefield game will have a new feature called the battlefield portal. This feature will be a special gameplay mode that will allow incorporate elements from past Battlefield games, including Battlefield 1942, Battlefield Bad Company 2, and will incorporate maps from those games, weapons from those games, items from those games, to combine with the modern 2042 um, maps and, and elements. 
wouldn't it just be safer for them to make a new game called Battlefield Infinite? <laughs> you think? And throw Elvis in there or Battlefield Ultimate and have every version from the past iteration thrown into the current iteration? Kind of like an ultimate battle <laughs> fighting simulator? I want to say... We have like past characters and past arenas and past locations and past items all thrown into the same game. I think that they could still do that. They could do the Warzone approach like Activision did with Call of Duty, where initially it's a thing that's attached to the game that you're sold, but then they spin it off into a free-to-play thing as well. They could 100% do that. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if that comes, comes true. Next up in EA Play's show, they showed off new footage from one of their new EA originals called Lost in Random. This is the puzzle platformer that involves a giant uh, personified uh, die, like a dice. Um, and it uh, involves a lot of random elements in your adventure. That seemed all right. And then lastly, the big final reveal at the end of the show was the thing that got leaked and we more or less already knew about, which is a remake slash reboot of the Dead Space franchise. The thing everybody wanted, they're finally yeah. doing. Seems like all the scuttlebutt seems to point that this is going to be a remake of the first game in the series, and it will be in the style, uh, similar to the style that Capcom had when, they're, when they remade Resident Evil 2 a year ago. Seemed like that was really well received, the way that they approached that, so it seems like that's what EA is going for here. Okay. Yeah, I played right. some Lots of Dead of Space. Lots of games to look forward to. Yeah, I played some of Dead Space 1s, and it was actually a lot of fun, so I'm looking forward to the remake. Mm -hmm. Okay. Especially with new graphics and new engines. Yeah. Overall, not a super exciting show for me, but I think they hedged enough for, to tell people that it wasn't going to be super crazy. Right. Well, they already did their sports EA play earlier yeah. in the month. They already and revealed Battlefield. See, yep. Uh, I didn't see any Star Wars in it as well. No. But I think that might be the biggest shock. But yeah. I also wasn't expecting any Star Wars related news here. The thing that they would probably be holding in that category would be the sequel to, uh, what was that, Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah. Um, from Respawn. That'll probably be coming. Announcement for that will probably ne be next year, if I had to guess. All right. All right. Let's move on to our last story, which is the big in this week in video games. And it's a depressing one, as always. Uh, this actually started last week. Uh, so I'll give you a little bit of preamble before I go into this week's story. Um, uh, the state of California sued Activision Blizzard, uh, video game publisher Activision Blizzard, uh, for basically uh, inequity with their uh, the, the treatment of their employees, specifically those uh, those uh, female employees and uh, minority employees. This kind of got a conversation going about the treatment of employees over at that company, and has now led to today where employees have planned, and I believe are currently performing, a walkout um, to protest the working condition, conditions at the company. Representatives of the workers at Activision Blizzard told Kotaku employees will cease working today from 9 in the morning to 6 p.m. Pacific, all to push leadership within the company to improve the workplace culture for women, specifically noting women of color, transgender women, non-binary people, and other marginalized groups. While some employees work from home and may not be able to make it, an in-person protest will take place from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific at the Blizzard campus in Irvine, California. 
Those who can't attend are being asked to stop all work during the day as an act of solidarity, as well to signal boost on social media with the tag hashtag ActiveLizWalkout. We are encouraging, oh, quote, we are encouraging employees to take whatever time off they feel safe to do, an employee representative told Kotaku in a statement. Most of us plan to take the full day off without pay, but we understand some people like contractors and associates and those who are paid less than they deserve might not have the ability to do that. Additionally, I want to note that a lot of gamers have taken this opportunity to also do a walkout or strike against a boycott against their games today as well to in support of this. So if you're somebody who plays a lot of Call of Duty or WoW, maybe skip logging in today until they're done with their walkout. Yeah, I saw a 24-hour blackout yes. of Activision and Blizzard games going around. And I knew that was a direct link to this story. And yeah. I also saw um, on Twitter that Aegon picked up Steam. It, I mean, it might be just because we are local to where Blizzard's campus yeah. is in Irvine, California. Yeah. So maybe that's why it's like one of those for you trendy because we know right. you live in that area. Right. And are video game related. But either way, it was good to see. It's always good to see employees take a stand against their employers, yeah. especially when they're affecting a minority group. Yeah. What I'll say real briefly so we can wrap up. Uh, what I'll say is um, it seems like the stories that are coming out there are really detailed and really specific. There's a lot of stories coming out. The mm -hmm. sheer size of this company means that this has been going on at a scale that we haven't seen before. Most recently, we had the Ubisoft stuff, but even that was, I think, a little smaller in scale than this is for sure. It's just embarrassing for an industry for the industry, but this is an opportunity to change things. This walkout, hopefully, negotiations will occur. Maybe even the spark of unionization could come out of this. That would be the ideal scenario here. I think that any big event like this, the industry needs to hold on to and ride that wave to better, to a better version, because we can't let this stuff happen again and again, especially not at this scale. Activision Blizzard's got to change things, and hopefully this is the first step in that process. Right, and that's why they're calling on both employees and gamers to speak, not only with their wallet, but also with their time. Yeah, time matters. Mm -hmm. I think that'll do it. I think that's our record for the fastest podcast we've ever done. Um, fastest co-podcast. I think we've done faster <laughs> ones as a solo cast. Yeah, maybe. But thank you for joining us here at the Media Boat Podcast. That'll do it for video games. That'll do it for the episode this week. If you want to catch us next week, we'll be back as well for a new episode, full length, I'm sure, back to normal for you. But in the meantime, you can check out the video versions of our podcast on YouTube. Go to Media Boat Podcast on YouTube and you can find our channel, like, subscribe, you know, comment, click the bell for notifications, all of that. You can also listen to the audio versions on podcast services such as Amazon, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of the places you listen to podcasts. You can find us by searching Media Boat Podcast. You can also find our writing at mediaboatpodcast.com. You can email us with questions, suggestions, and tips at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Yep, we'll have thoughts on that new near mobile game. We'll have um, some Ted Lasso thoughts, some yeah. full Ted Lasso thoughts on that. We'll talk and about Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish as well. So yeah, lots of thoughts. So yeah, back to our normal uh, long podcast next week with lots of thoughts. All righty, we'll be back next week. Goodbye.
Bye-bye. All right, bye.